Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. Another week. (laughs) You sound just so defeated. You sound so defeated. You're just like, here we are. This is what we're doing. Another week. You know, the exciting conversations that we have, and we have such great guests, and I really am excited for them. It's more the wrangling of a one-year-old while I'm trying to record that's like, okay, another week. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I guess it's never boring. No, definitely not. And I think that with today's guests too, and as we're going into the sometimes dreaded holiday season, this school year by far has been unlike any school year that we have seen, right? Mm-hmm. Man and I have been doing this for 10 years plus, and you know, even we have opposing counsels agree that have been doing this for 30 years that this uh, school year is unlike any other. So we're really excited to kind of jump into and we've had this topic before but i think so many different people bring such different values to the social emotional conversation about our classroom and school settings and that's why we're really excited to have lynn jimenez on our podcast lynn thank you so much for coming on Uh, i'm so excited i'm really actually now that we're uh kind of framing this conversation i'm so excited my mind is racing and i'm going to try not to talk a mile a minute for everybody so they can (laughs) understand what i'm saying but man do i have so much to deliver so lynn why don't you kind of give our listeners a bit of background information obviously you're the founder of connect flow grow but why don't you kind of give them a little bit of insight as to how you created it why and what you're doing Yeah, awesome. So I used to work in school mental health. When I exited grad school, I got a job with County Office of Education in Orange County, and I worked with youth in the foster care system, helping them navigate their educational needs. And then I went into comprehensive school districts, and I've done I created a substance abuse prevention program and then helped a district set up their comprehensive mental health program, including ERMS, so educationally related mental health services, Mm -hmm. and then the gen ed side of it. And it was both prevention and intervention work. So in the more like intervention, so my experience based on working with youth in the foster care and special ed has typically been with the students with more significant needs. So trauma, a lot of behavioral issues, a lot of anxiety, depression. That has been like my bread and butter. But then going into a comprehensive school district and doing more gen ed mental health, we were pushing into classrooms and Mm -hmm. doing prevention. Mm -hmm. And the way that we did it was through restorative practices, teaching teachers how to embed social emotional learning into the classrooms. And we would go in and we would teach teachers how to have kids sit in circles and how to start developing social emotional conversations and how to really integrate that into their teaching style, not how we want them to do it, but right. really in a way that is authentic to them, their classroom, their the culture of their class. 
And so that really inspired me because I would come home. So I have three boys and every time I would learn one of these tools, I'd come home and practice on my kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, my house is my test kitchen. Yeah. And so when I was learning restorative practices, one of the things that we talk about there is instead of asking, why did you do this? Right. Which is classic things that we as parents and we as educators or anybody in the world will ask, like, why did you do that? And that automatically raises defenses. And so if you can ask, like, what were you thinking? What happened? Okay, with three little boys, let me just tell you. Usually when I would say what happened, they would give me what the other person did, right? Okay, right, Mm -hmm. right. Dami did this to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. What did you do before Dami did that to you? Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you hit him. Oh, no wonder why he hit you. Yeah. And so then we would talk about, like, what do you need to do to make it right? That transformed our family experience. It was so powerful. And they would come up with like, at the time they were really into Batman and part of Batman was he had Albert the Butler. And so they were really into having the Butler. Yep. (laughs) So what they would do is like, whoever was like the offender in the scenario, they would say like, so-and-so Dami needs to be my Butler. And I was like, well, that couldn't be a better solution. Like here I am trying to teach them how to play pro socially. Right. Totally. And they're going to practice it by yep. like learning how to interact with each other kindly. And I was like, cool, play Butler. That sounds yeah. like a great solution <laughs> yeah. versus me putting you in timeout. And it's right. not going to teach you anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you know, what's most important too about your background and work was that you had this, you know, collaborative approach of, you know, don't just do as I say, like, or do right. Like here are the tools and how does it fit your teaching model? Cause I think that that's what a lot of teachers may not really real, right. They get this information yeah. and then they just, don't know what to do with it and what I love too is it's not just in the realm of special education erms right like you were going in so that it was this social emotional kind of curriculum that was being embedded because all kids can benefit from and Amanda and I say this all the time like when we're advocating for accommodations for some kiddos like sometimes we'll have kiddos that are deaf and hard of hearing and they need like an FM system so the teacher wears Mm -hmm. a mic and like 10 out of 10, that helps everybody in the classroom because then the teacher doesn't have to yell. And then the kids can hear her like in the back, right? Because there's a device that's like amplifying her voice. And this is exactly like the stuff that you were doing, right? On in within a district that was allowing it or really was making it a priority, not just for sped kiddos, which is awesome. Which is, yep. I mean, I think, what do we say? Like, the strategies that we use in special education are actually the best strategies that all teachers should be using because they support all learners. Yeah. I mean, which is crazy why general education teachers, when they go through their credentialing process are not required to take, but one like general intro to special education is crazy to me. Yeah. And there's so much, like I always have such compassion for teachers because like, gosh, do we ask them to do a lot? Like they're playing nurse and, you know, chef and like they're, I mean, the kids are not coming to school ready to learn in many cases. There's a lot of other needs that need to happen before. And some of it, like my, in through my lens was helping them get regulated. If a child comes in having a bad day, like we can't place the same academic demands on them that we could if they came ready in this place of like balance or internal kind Uh of homeostasis. And so we really have to look at like, how are we supporting kids, all kids, again, like you said, across the spectrum, all learners, knowing that day to day, their their needs are going to change and our needs are going to change. So kind of bridging this gap, the reason why I started my own business was 
I saw the gap in how hard it is for us to reach parents. And not that schools aren't trying and not that parents aren't trying. It's just there's this constant mismatch of time and like, what is the priority? Social emotional learning is important, but it's a skill not all of us were taught. So teachers, when we teach them to do things in a way that's authentic for them, it gets it allows them to start and parents too to start where they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. comfortable talking about like a lot of really uncomfortable conversations. I'm not going to ask parents or teachers to have those uncomfortable conversations if they don't feel like they can successfully navigate them. I'm going to let them start in a place where they are comfortable, start developing the skills and then build from there and then move towards or like start increasing their edge of discomfort. Mm. So when I originally started my business, it was to teach families about how to talk to their kids about stress. So in working in a comprehensive school district, I started noticing a lot of kids with anxiety, depression, and I was like, okay, they don't all have the same level of trauma that most of my students have. Mm. What's Mm -hmm. going on? And then I started really diving deep into the stress response system. And it's this physiological response that we all have to stress. And that is... I mean, it's physiology. It's like, as an organism, we all share that. Now, the environments and the reasons why we experience stress are unique to us, but that physiology is pretty much the same. So I wanted to teach parents about that so they could teach their kids about it and they can work with it, not against it. Because we, I mean, I've done it with my own kids. My three-year-old, or he's not three anymore. He was three. He was a very passionate three-year-old. We butt heads a lot because mm. he's very passionate and I'm very passionate. And yep. when I'm activated... He's activated, right? Like we see it in classrooms. We see it with parents. And so kind of bridging this, like moving us into the holiday season, I really want people to think about that. We have been unusual circumstances (laughs) for a long time now. Like people are burnt out. We've stress is cumulative. So if you are not Mm -hmm. taking care of your stress daily, then, and like really offloading it and moving back to a place of calm, it's going to keep adding up. And where people tend to make the mistake or misstep is they don't notice it because it's so subtle. It's like one little drop in the bucket. And then you get to the place where your bucket is full and you are, you know, like you're kind of at the end of the rope and you're really stressed out and you don't know how you got there, but it happened in these small little steps over time. But now you realize it because it's, you know, you feel out of control. If you can start engaging in strategies, daily self-care practices, like do your workouts, meditate, Mm -hmm. journal, whatever Mm -hmm. you need to do, to manage your stress, and this is more for the adults, but you can model it and get your kids involved, then you're going to not allow it to pile up as much. So you don't have these intense spikes and you're able to be responsive to other people. So teachers, parents, students, we all need to do that because if we're all just high emotion, now we're all just reacting to our environment, people, places, things, stimuli, and we're not going to be using our cortex, which allows us to think Think about the consequences of our behavior. Think about a different option. Think about what we should do instead of, you know, the thing that we feel like that impulsive drive. We can think about maybe making a better choice, like taking some deep breaths or going for a walk. So that's kind of like where I hope people to go, want people to go during this holiday season is just kind of know that this is the time of the year where everybody starts getting a little bit antsy. We've been doing school for a long time. We don't post October to right before Thanksgiving, there's not as many school holidays. And right. so everybody's mm-hmm. like, like this kind of on edge. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> well, not, totally. to mention, not to mention the fact that there have been so many holidays missed so far, especially for the families that have been like tradition- cautious. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, this, yeah. thanks, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, this, you know, Hanukkah, all these holidays at the end of the year, 
for many families are going to be the first time that they're, and I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that this is still going to be the case, right? Because we thought yep. so last year. It's the first time that we're all getting back together. And I think it's especially important, the modeling too, because, you know, I was just talking to a parent earlier today whose kindergartner just started back in person mm-hmm. who did not have any in-person instruction, or I'm sorry, she's first grade this year, didn't mm-hmm. have any in-person instruction for kindergarten mm-hmm. at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the anxiety of going back or, you know, going there for the first time. And I think we're all going to feel it. We're going to, the adults are going to feel it. The kids are going to feel it. And it's and not just going to be like, oh, the beginning of the year, like we're in November, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to be ongoing. Like, I think yep, that's right. something else that people need to realize too, is that this isn't just hey, it's the beginning of the year thing. It's like, no, this is ongoing. The trauma right. that these kiddos have suffered, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just, I've been seeing that where it's just like, well, we've been in this. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. no, like, yeah. it's not even. Well, and I think it's, I think it's especially hard to have this, com- especially important to have these conversations with the kids because, right. you know, I think there are going to be a lot of families and kids who start to emerge back with family and going to activities. You know, there's lots of mm-hmm. holiday outings that you go to. And, you know, we might be facing situations where we try and it's too much too fast and yep. we might have to pull back. And I think that's something that I think as with everything with the pandemic to explain it to kids because they can understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And being able to explain what's happening and how we're feeling, mm-hmm. I think is so important. I think I just read something the other day about how important it is. It was like some social media post about you know, how important it is to explain to our kids mm-hmm. how we are feeling mm-hmm. because that's how they learn, right? Mm-hmm. They learn and they're not going to be able to express themselves when they're older if they don't mm-hmm. see it modeled first. So I think it's important yeah. to kind of have those conversations too of, you know, 100%. we, went and we, we mm-hmm. were with a bunch of family and it felt a little overwhelming, huh? Maybe we're going to pull back a little and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And just take it step by step and like really figure out what your threshold is, right? Like Mm -hmm. one of the things, so when I moved from the district into my own business, the first thing I started was teaching families how to have family meetings and how to have those conversations. So based on restorative practices, we sit in circles, we have Mm -hmm. these conversations, we're very explicit about the things that we're teaching. And Mm -hmm. that is like the conversation you just modeled. Like I do it with my kids. We, you know, when we have some sort of event, I always tell the story of like the one time that me and my youngest, we were, we were on vacation, we were hiking. He was climbing up all the rocks. We were like, I don't know, 7,000 foot elevation on this hike. And I was, all the thoughts that kept running through my head were he's going to slip and fall and break his head, like crack his head open. And now I have three kids to get down a mountain by myself. Yeah. So, you know, that fear is running through my head. So I'm very agitated. And then I'm like, Hey, you can't do that. He takes off running. And then I ran after him and I like bear hug him. And I'm like, you can't do that. Yelling at him on a mountain. Like, like losing it with him. And I went and sat on a rock. I had him sit on a rock. We both calmed down. And then we talked about it afterwards. And I was like, I lost it. Mm-hmm. I completely lost it. Mm-hmm. And I apologize because it was too much for me. Let me explain that to you. Right. And then he explained to me, like, I just wanted to climb on the rocks. And I'm like, I get it, buddy. That's, <laughs> yeah. of course, you're five. Yeah. Of yeah. course. It was amazing. Right. But yeah. it just wasn't the time. Let's figure out a time that we could totally. do that. That process has brought us so much clarity and so much just openness in our family. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I feel like if parents and teachers can kind of just keep having those conversations based on your comfort and your skill level, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy at first. You're not going to say the right thing. You're not going to know how to describe it, but over time you're going to get better and you're going to start 
having more intimacy, mm-hmm. stronger relationships, mm-hmm. and your kids are going to know, students or kids are going to know, like, ah, this is what's happening. Because they're seeing us stressed out, Absolutely. like, sure, and we need to help them understand what that is, give them the narrative and the explanation of what's going on, and then move through it, hopefully, appropriately right. or more appropriately right. next time. And just to touch base on something that you said earlier when you're asking your kiddos, like, why did you do that? When you ask an adult, why did you do that? Like, you don't, you won't even get, like, the, you know, like, there's very few people that are like, well, I was agitated, and in the moment, I, did it. like, you're not getting that, res- you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And something else that was running through my mind, a mantra that I've said on here a few times is, you know, you, when the oxygen mask come down, you got to put it on yourself first. Yep. I say that all the time. Yep. You cannot take care of anybody yeah. else nope. when you are not taking care exactly. of yourself. Exactly. And I've found that being able to kind of talk out loud, like, yeah, I lost it. You know, this is a lot. Mama's going to take a break. I'm just going to yep. walk out. I'm still here for you, you know, but I just need to take a break. Right. Because I think yep. it's important, you know, kiddos, especially your own, they pick up on a lot (laughs) and, you know, they are not responsible for our feelings and we are not responsible for their feelings. And I feel like that's something that parents miss out too. And I'm constantly learning and having to remind myself is that I'm not here to fix everything. And as a perfectionist, people pleaser, recovering people pleaser, recovering perfectionist, like that's been, you know, something to digest and really be taking with a grain of salt in raising, you know, my daughter and knowing that she's gonna have to go through this is emotional regulation. And it would be so powerful in the school districts at kindergarten, preschool, to implement these, you know, soft tools and then to build yeah. on them. And that's why we were so excited because as you have that experience and what you were able to do within and, and why, you know, as we're coming into the holiday season, what are like some other things that you think that teachers or parents can also do to kind of help with that stress response system that you're really good at helping your clients with? Yeah. So I love self-care as like a daily practice. Right. And like some people think self-care is like massages and nails or like, I don't know, going shopping, traveling, like that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But really like a daily practice for me, it's meditating. I love to just sit and have my morning cup of tea. Nature and going for walks is really powerful for me. So you got to find what your practices are. And then also with your kids, either your classroom kids or your children in your home, engage in those behaviors together. My boys and I took up skateboarding this year. They weren't into it, but I was like, we're going to do this because we need to do something Mm. together that's Mm. healthy. And I think Mm -hmm. you guys will love it eventually. But right now we're all going to do this together. And now we go skateboarding once a week and that's our family time. And it's like, we're getting out, we're moving our bodies. We laugh. We are like, they coach me on how to skateboard better. It's a beautiful experience, but I have to be the one driving that train because I can't expect my kids to learn the behavior if I'm not showing them how to do it. And it's better to do it with them. Relationships are the most powerful agent of change. So if I'm doing it with them, it increases their likelihood of doing it because they want to hang out with their mom and they want to hang out with their teacher. Like why not make things relational and fun? So get your kids out of the classroom and go for a walk and talk about the trees you see or something else. Like talk about the reading passage you guys just had while like cruising around the playground I mean, I think there's a way that we can start bridging these areas so that way we get a little bit of both. Kids are feeling regulated and we're not forcing them to like sit 
but we can have conversations and it can be a little more authentic and natural. Yeah. What's the strategy that people use for like panic attacks or anxiety of like name three things that you see, that you Mm -hmm. hear, that you smell, that you feel. I think that can be such a powerful tool for kids because not only are they doing this mindfulness and they're doing a strategy of self-care, but they're also learning too, right? Because talking about what they're feeling, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, I mean, that's all important too, especially with our younger kiddos. So that's something that definitely, if I'm feeling stressed and I, you know, let's go for a walk, I try to do that if I can while I'm walking, even though I feel like every time I do it, I'm naming the same thing, but I feel like it's okay because I'm trying, I'm going through it. (laughs) Yep. What you're doing is you're just keep, the brain will wander off to like the things you have to do, right? You're like running the to-do list or maybe you're reviewing a conversation you had. And if you're looking around you and naming the things you can see, smell, it's just forcing you to be in that moment. It's allowing you to be present and disconnecting from those other periods of time, which is a beautiful strategy to teach kids. One more thing that I want to add is one of the mistakes I see people make often and one of the big things I teach about is underscaling emotions. So Mm. what that is, is just determining the size or intensity of the emotion. With adults, I usually teach or like older kids, a zero to 10 scale, just because it gives you enough variation. Zero is calm, 10 is the most intense version of that. If you can begin the practice of naming your emotion, understanding how intense it is, and then you would do some sort of coping regulations activity, and then revisit that. What am I feeling now? Is the number the same? Did it go down? That's much more effective than just saying like, oh, I'm just so angry, I'm so frustrated right now. And then you go for a walk and you're still angry or frustrated, but you're not recognizing that actually maybe you're a little bit less. Like you might still be angry, but if you went from a seven to a five, you're making progress. So you just keep doing the things until you come all the way down. With kids, what that might look like for little ones is small, medium, and large. I like, I'll draw like little circles for them. So a little circle, a medium circle, and a big circle. And you can just have them point to that. You can have them show you with their hands, how big the problem is. And then you teach them to name it, show you how big it is. And then you do something together. So maybe you guys go for a walk, a bike ride, you do some deep breathing, and then you check back in. How are you doing now? Are you still angry? Are you still frustrated? How big is it? And then that's teaching them to help. It's mindfulness. It's helping them kind of understand what's happening in their body, become more Mm self-aware, and then they know whether or not they're making progress with the the tools that they've used. I love that. It's easy. There's visuals if you want to create, you you know, like it's something tangible that a parent can do, that a teacher can do. And I find that, you know, when we're at IEP meetings and we give these suggestions that like being able to have a visual or just even understanding it right like helps and maybe just like jog somebody else's memory about like oh we've been able to do this or we've been able to do that so I love that as an example for both teachers and for clients before we kind of wrap up I definitely wanted we kind of skimmed over this but tell us a little bit more about your business connect flow grow Okay, so Connect Flow Grow is definitely my a marriage of all things that I do. Mom, social worker, yeah. I'm also certified as a yoga instructor. So it's really like bringing together like all my hats. But I really teach people about stress. That's like my dream is for everybody to have a base understanding of stress. And stress is just a global term for 
these like emotional responses that we have. Yeah. And so if people can understand what's going on and just know like what the physiology is behind it. So why their heart's racing faster, why their breathing might be a little more shallow, why they have that muscle tension and then become aware of like what they're feeling, the thoughts, the behaviors that go along with that. So they can do something to change it, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's just what I, I want people to feel like they have more control of their feelings versus their feelings controlling them. So what I do is I have a program for families teaching them how to have those family meetings and how they can practice and learn about stress together. I'm opening up a membership. It's going to come in August. So I don't know when this will play, but I can give you guys the information on that. And I'm going to have a bunch of master classes with experts on like sleep, nutrition. There'll be one for families and then there's one for the adults. So I do the same basic thing, but with adults. So that way the caregivers, teachers, whoever can learn how to manage their stress so they can be more regulated to help the little ones learn how to regulate and manage their stress. Yeah. Same thing. It's, I have a 21 day stress challenge that kind of walks you through all these core principles and helps you start practicing the skills to manage your stress or start reducing your stress. And then there's a membership program where you can participate in these master classes with industry experts to, you know, help you not be have insomnia or be able to fall back asleep once you wake up in the middle Mm -hmm. of the night or learn how to Mm -hmm. nourish your body in ways that work for you or move your body. So that will be launching in October. Oh, awesome. You know, it's a little bit of everything. And I think that, you know, if both are interested, please reach out to it. Where, Where can they go to reach out to you if they have any more questions? Yeah. So my website is www.connectflowgrow.com. Com, and then I am most active on Instagram as far as social media. Yeah. So it's just connect, flow, grow. But I also have, there's a Facebook page. We have a TikTok with some fun like mindfulness activities and I'm on LinkedIn. But Instagram is like the place where you'll find me most. Yeah, we like Instagram okay. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just seems a little bit more interactive. Facebook has gotten so many groups now. I feel mm-hmm. like that that's basically taken over, which I mean, serves its own purpose. But I think, I definitely feel like Instagram is more fun. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Did you have any other questions, Amanda? I don't think so. I think we'll add it in all the information um, in our show notes. We'll make sure that they can reach out to you if any of our listeners are interested. Hopefully, you know, our educators and our teams and our parents are, you know, really being mindful, you know, about these strategies. And hopefully we can kind of start implementing if, if they haven't already started to. Yeah, and definitely check out her website, her social media. Like she had said, there's fun TikToks about relaxation techniques. And, you know, the emphasis on that stress response, I think, is incredible. And, you know, kind of checking in with yourself first, right? I think as moms, you put your kids first, you put everybody else first, you don't put yourself first. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, this elaborate treat yourself, we're going to the spa kind of thing. It, It literally could be just like the five minutes that you need to drink your coffee or tea before it gets cold like just something and it really Mm -hmm. does that up I know it just seems like but you got to start somewhere right and I think that if people kind of if that's more normalized then it doesn't seem like this overwhelming kind of thing because I know that that's what a lot of administrators like when a man and I go in we're advocating for social emotional wellness of all of our kiddos not just our emotionally disturbed quote-unquote red kiddos I feel like people just don't know what to do and like that's okay but there's supposed to be people on the team that do know what to do so I think just with that knowledge and we've discussed 
this topic at length with so many different people, but I really appreciated your perspective on it. And we're just so grateful that you made the time to come on our podcast. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you both for having me. What a pleasure. So if you guys have any questions, please reach out to Lynn and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Take it easy. Bye.